Please open your Bibles with me to Psalm 114. We have put recent focus and intention on remembering and utilizing the past for our hope and learning as one of three ways to keep a proper and hopeful perspective. Romans 15.4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. This psalm is very simple, and I hope briefly recounting some of Israel's history will provide us all with some hope this morning. Over the next few days, we're going to be covering the children of Israel's exodus from Egypt in the daily Bible reading, which is partly covered in this psalm. And hopefully, after reviewing this psalm, it can provide additional meaning as you read those passages to realize those are real events, and they were often recounted, especially in the psalms, for our comfort and hope. This psalm, while only being eight short verses, mentions at least six specific miracles or acts of God, while also implying multiple other miracles. Please follow along as I read Psalm 114. When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language. Judah was his sanctuary, and Israel his dominion. The sea saw it and fled. Jordan was driven back. The mountains skipped like rams, and the little hills like lambs. What ailed thee, O thou sea, that thou fleddest? Thou Jordan, that thou wast driven back. Ye mountains, that ye skipped like rams, and ye little hills like lambs. Tremble, thou earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, which turned the rock into standing water, the flint into a fountain of waters. In the first verse, we have the first miracle. This is the miracle of the Lord leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. This one miracle included the Lord turning Moses' staff into a serpent and included ten plagues that we're going to read about over the next two weeks. Those plagues included the Nile River turning into blood, frogs, lice, flies, diseased livestock, boils, a thunderstorm of hail and fire, locusts, darkness for three days, and the death of all firstborns throughout Egypt. Could the Lord have simply changed Pharaoh's heart to release the children of Israel when Moses asked? Absolutely he could have. But the Lord told Moses that he wanted to get himself a name. And in Exodus 3.20, he says, I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. When the Lord delivers, it is without question and thorough. As we, can, as we can consider the utter desolation of what was most likely the world power at the time. As we look at the second miracle, it's in verse 2. The Almighty Creator of heaven and earth chose a people to be His, and He brought them out of Egypt with great power, so that they may worship Him freely without the bond of slavery. He was in the midst of them. He led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The Lord established a religion in the midst of this people and taught them how to worship him. He, de- he developed special feasts, celebrations, and holidays for these people. Why? Was it because they were the greatest? No, we read that he chose these people because they were the least of all the people. The Lord does not need you or I to be anything in order for him to work on our behalf. Let us never forget that. The third miracle is in the first phrase of verse 3, and it is the crossing of the Red Sea. As these forgetful Israelites approached the Red Sea with an angry Egyptian mob, they assumed the Lord had brought them out of Egypt just to kill them in the desert. And Moses responded with two amazing verses in Exodus 14. 
And Moses said to the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. The Israelites then passed through the Red Sea on dry ground. Is every word of God pure? Why doesn't this verse just say ground? How hard would it have been to slosh through two or three feet of water? No, it was dry for easy passage for them. The Holy Spirit, excuse me, and the Lord delivers thoroughly and down to the last detail. As they were passing through the Red Sea, the Lord had finally had enough of the Egyptian army. And it says in verse 28, there remained not so much as one of them. Moving on to the fourth miracle, which is the second phrase of verse 3, which states, Jordan was driven back. This brings us forward a few years when the children of Israel were getting ready to enter the promised land. Moses is dead, and so are all the people above the age of 20, except for Joshua and Caleb. The details of this event is recorded in Joshua 3 and 4. The banks of the Jordan are flooded, but the Israelites need to get to the other side. The Lord stopped the flow of a river to the point that an entire nation walked through, once again on dry ground, to the other side. They were able to stop and look and see water standing as in heap. Have you ever tried to get water to stand up before? How long does it take to build a proper dam to stop a flow of any kind of real river? With the Lord, all things are possible, and they can happen, they can happen quicker than imagined. I particularly like and enjoy this story because I consider it an Old Testament cross-reference for the Romans passage, in that those things that are written aforetime are written for our learning. After this event of crossing the Jordan River, the Lord commanded the Israelites to set up a pile of stones. That way, when their children would ask about it, fathers or grandfathers or parents could tell them of the miracle of the Lord's deliverance. And the verse I want to bring to our attention this morning is Joshua 4:24, That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. This is the reason we are considering this psalm this morning. The hand of the Lord our God is mighty, and we should fear him forever. The fifth miracle is mentioned in verse 4. And the clearest example we have of a mountain or hill skipping would have been Mount Sinai when the Lord gave Moses the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 19, verse 18, it says the whole mount quaked greatly. The most immovable object man can contemplate is a mountain. We have to build our roads around or through them. We can't move them. But yet they skip and bounce at the commandment of the Lord. Do you think there is a mountain in your life that will not skip and bounce when he wants it to? Let us never forget it. The sixth miracle is mentioned in verse 8, and it refers to Moses fetching water from a desert rock. This happened twice. The first time is recorded in Exodus 17 and the second in Numbers chapter 20. While the unfortunate circumstances around these two acts of God were the children of Israel murmuring, it is still a great show of the Lord's power and might. Both times, a single rock produced enough water for an entire nation. In the second instance, it mentioned there was sufficient water for all their cattle as well. That's a lot of water. Three of the previous miracles that we've discussed were the Lord controlling the elements of water or mountains or big rocks, if you will. But in this instance, he combines the elements to bring water out of a rock. Does your situation not have a feasible solution? Remember that the Lord is not bound by the laws of physics or any other constraint. With him, all things are possible. 
As we look back to verses 5 and 6 of this psalm, we see three rhetorical questions. What ailed thee, O thou sea, that thou fleddest? Thou Jordan, that thou wast driven back? Ye mountains, that ye skipped like rams, and ye little hills, like lambs? The answer to these questions is in verse 7. Tremble, thou earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who is able to do all things. Arguing from the greater to the lesser would mean that since God can do what is recorded here, can he not provide healing, a spouse, financial, practical, comfort, or other needs? If things that are normally constant are thrown out of whack at the presence of the Lord, what is in your life that you think will prove too much for him? As Nebuchadnezzar said, none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? Brethren, the psalm is simple. The stories we have heard many times. But can we remember these things? Can we remember these events and others that are recorded to always have the hope and confidence that we should? Can we allow that hope and confidence to allow us not to worry about them and to focus on the things that we should in our life, which is our coming day of judgment and death? Lord, help us to remember these deliverances when we have trying times and to keep a proper perspective. Thank you. Amen.